Theatre has long been used as a powerful tool for creating awareness about social and political issues. Through storytelling, performance, and audience engagement, theatre can bring attention to important issues and inspire people to act. Can a dinner conversation become uh, something that overcomes racial inequity? Let's ask Ariel Fristo, the artistic director of the nonprofit Out of Hand. Welcome, Ariel. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. We are very excited to have you on the show. Tell us, Ariel, uh, you host dinners as part of your uh, nonprofit, the uh, Out of Hand Theatre. Why the name Out of Hand? So I have been running out of hand for 22 years. I started this organization when I was in my 20s and it has become my life's work. I didn't expect that. So um, a group of friends and I started the company and we chose the name out of hand because we wanted to create experiences that you couldn't possibly have uh, in a a movie theater or a traditional theater or at home watching something on, you know, on TV or on your phone, you wanted something where your live presence was going to be absolutely essential. You had to be there. It, can, it comes out of the work of our hands. Um, and we often actually like end up shaking hands uh, or even hugging people during the experiences. Uh, all right. So that is out of hand. And what are the causes? What are the issues that you deal with in these performances? Our focus, and in fact, our two pillars that all of our work is built on are racial justice and economic justice. And we've identified those. Um, so they are the two of the three evils identified by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as the barriers to creating the beloved community. The third is violence, which is a, a, an issue that we tackle as well. But um, we've really identified racial and economic justice as the most important and most pressing issues of our time. Right. And um, now more than ever, I believe it's, it's essential that people talk about these topics um, how do you come about with the production? How do you do you have a team of professional uh, screenwriters, scriptwriters, and you know producers who are planning this all the times, or are you performing these at regular intervals? So yeah, we have programming um, year round every year. We have a team, a, a staff of about eight. Um, but we employ hundreds of artists and facilitators every year. So we usually plan about a year out. And um, for Equitable Dinners, we also have a design team that meets once a week throughout the year that thinks about what, what issues do we want to address next? And then do we want to get a speaker? Who is the right playwright for that one? Who are the subject matter experts and the community partner organizations that we want to bring into that conversation? So that's one of the unusual things about us is that all of our work is done in partnership with other organizations. We actually never want to be the subject matter experts. We are the people who bring the tools of theater to in service to our community partners, but we always work with subject matter experts. So just this past um, Friday, in fact, we premiered a show as one of what we call our shows and homes 
Um, that's a collaboration with Georgia Justice Project. Excuse me, I'm saying the wrong thing. Last year's show in Homes was a collaboration with Georgia Justice Project. This one is with Partnership for Southern Equity. And it's a play about the American activist Shirley Chisholm, who was the first Black woman to be elected to Congress. And um, it's a program designed to inspire people to become more involved in political action and activism today. Wow. So it is a long process. It's not something that, you know, you think of today and within a couple of months or three months, you come up with a production. And so you said living rooms also, right? You go to people's houses and you perform there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, as I said, we've been around for 22 years and we've never had a theater building and we never will. We've actually turned them down. It's an important part of our mission to bring theater to spaces where it's not happening otherwise uh, and to spaces where people are already gathered. So most of our programs happen in people's homes, in houses of worship, in businesses and in schools. Uh Tell me, how does that work? Uh, people's living rooms. So the audience is very small, I believe. Yes, and that's another important thing for us. We always want our events to be intimate. We want people to meet each other and get to know each other and become friends. So um, at Equitable Dinners, normally it's just 10 people gathered around uh, each dining room table um, in people's homes. And then if you're in a church hall or a school, you might have four or six tables. Um, but it's small enough so that you're really just having dinner with the other people at your table and you can have a substantive conversation with friends and strangers about racial equity over a meal. And then each one of those is launched by the performance of a live play. So when we do a citywide event, we hire hundreds of actors and facilitators and send them all over a city, often on the same day and often all day long. So it's called dinners, but really a lot of them are breakfasts and lunches and some coffees um, so that we're gathering people across the city to all have the same experience at the same time or at least on the same day, but in really small groups. That is fantastic. Uh, I mean, I've never heard of something like that. And that, I think, is very, very impactful. So you have the same performance in, say, 20 households? So, sometimes as many as 100 households at the same time. Um, believe it or not. So we started this in uh, 2019 with the city of Decatur here in Georgia, suburb of Atlanta. Um, and our goal was to get a thousand people to all engage in equitable dinners on the same night. And at that time, we had no idea if we could get a thousand people to sign up for this or not. And we were so thrilled when 1400 people signed up for a thousand spots and we were able to make room for 1200 people. So we had um, 80 actors and 120 facilitators spread all over uh, Decatur and really the outskirts of Decatur as well. And, and these 80 actors all performing the their own versions, but the same words at the same time all over the city. That is very impressive. I'm very impressed with the fact that you are coordinating with so many actors and so many performers and households to get access to homes and even have conversations. So how long does this last? Uh, an hour or a couple of hours? Yeah, our programs are usually two hours long when they're for the public. Um, and with Equitable Dinners, it's it's a really short play. The play is only 10 minutes long. And the of course, there's a greeting. We have dialogue commitments. Um, 
you know, there's a there's a group closing at the end. So the conversation you, you get a little bit more than an hour for. I'll have to say we also do a lot of these for companies and schools during the day. And those are usually 90 minutes because companies don't usually have a full two hours to devote during the work day. To a yeah, program. I get that. Yeah. And who arranges the food? <laughs> Ah, the hosts always arrange the food. This is one of the ways oh. that we're able to make this work. And in fact, like in our shows and homes, the one that we did this weekend, hosts it was it will always be a cocktail party. Basically, there will be snacks, hors d'oeuvres, um, often wine or beer, um, soft drinks, and so we we love it when people get together and break bread together. And we love to incorporate yeah. arts and conversation and. A party or a dinner, or, you know, a, there's something really magical that when you're a host right. guest in someone's home and you break bread together. Yes, it's time-tested uh, method, isn't it? Breaking bread together and talking meals always tend to bring out uh, conversations and talk. And you, so tell me, suppose at a dinner there is a person who is talking about the food so much and not so much about the topic that you want to be introduced. Uh, how do you deal with that? So this is why we have a trained facilitator at every single table. Um, it's uh -huh. important. And if the conversation is going really well, that person may say almost nothing. Um, we also have a printed conversation guide for each attendee um, that gives you a snapshot of what the e equity issue looks like in numbers, um, our definition of racial equity, the dialogue commitments that we ask people to adhere to during the conversation, and then four questions to guide the conversation. So the facilitator will usually introduce a new one, you know, every 20 minutes or something. Um, but the facilitator is really also there to help keep bringing the conversation back to go, we're here today to talk about race and racism. So if we end up talking about the food or if we end up you know, we really want to talk about um, gender issues or religion to go, nope, today the focus is on race and racism. And it's also incredibly oh, important to us that these be positive experiences. Yes. That's the other kind of interesting line that we walk is that if anyone ever walks away thinking like, oh, I didn't like that. You know, I don't want to do mm -hmm. that again. We have failed to do our job. So that's mm -hmm. We want people to talk about these incredibly sensitive issues that are hard to talk about, but in a way that feels really positive and hopeful. Um, and we're very proud of our success in that area. Sometimes we actually, at the end of them, if we're doing them for a business, we can do these word clouds at the end where people put into their phone a word that describes how they're feeling and it populates a word cloud on a screen for everybody. And again and again, the words that come up the most at the end for how people are feeling are connected and hopeful and inspired. So we feel like, yes, that's exactly what we want. Like we're doing our job. Yeah, I know. Connected, hopeful. These are all positive words. Do you ever have a situation like when you mentioned, you know, uh, do you have a situation when people say, no, I'm, I don't want to be part of this uh, midway? Do you have situations like that? I think uh, we haven't in a very long time. I think there was one person a long time ago, maybe back in 2019, who said, like, I am not comfortable with this conversation and I think chose to go home. But it's actually incredibly rare. We have served over 10,000 people uh, in the wow. last... Yeah, in the last four years. So what one gentleman deciding not to finish, we feel like was pretty good. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah. Absolutely, yes, yes. How nice to hear that. It is amazing. Uh Let's take a break to understand what Jazuba is. 
Everyone at some point ponders on how this beautiful life can be made more meaningful. Maybe you're a leader trying to enhance your employees' experience at your organization. Or you already work for the community and seek volunteers with state-of-the-art skills to strengthen your nonprofit. Whatever your situation, know that you can make a difference. Chizuba began with this very vision. A vision to facilitate every skill and every passion in the world in meeting a social need. Corporate volunteering has several benefits for both businesses and organizations. In parallel, experienced and enthusiastic volunteers join NGO workers, enabling them to serve the community more effectively. Chizuba offers everyone looking to add purpose and meaning to their lives a chance to connect or volunteer virtually with non-profit organizations from over 100 countries around the world. Visit www.chizuba.net and explore opportunities to find meaning. Chizuba, your platform to do good. And now, back with our guest. Tell me, and do you have people of all races coming and talking uh, about this or is it majorly the majority that comes and speaks? Uh, no, that's a, another um, a very important point. Um, and for me specifically, I, I, you know, I love to go to public conversations about things like race and racism. And I had noticed over the years that very often I, it would be an almost all black room or an almost all white room if I was in Atlanta, um, those being our two biggest demographic groups. And I thought, wow, that's not right. You know, that's, that's not what we want in this conversation. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's a mix of the partners who we have, the people on our team, they're incredibly good with outreach. And so what we find over and over again is that about 60% of participants are white and 40% are people of color. Um, and of those, the majority of them are black, which makes sense given Atlanta's demographics. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. You also address uh, students and the schools and, you know, young children, because these are nowadays you hear so many uh, issues of gun violence uh, in the U.S. and so much of these uh, hatred, racist uh, attacks. Why is this happening? And do you sensitize uh, young children as well? Yeah, we actually have a special program that we built for young children that's called Talk and Walk a children's guide to racial equity. And it's a series of, I think, 12 very short videos that can be used in the classroom or can be used at home to help parents and educators help young children have these conversations. Because um, we realized that, you know, really heavily in 2020 and then continuing in that, um, from there, kids are hearing about this stuff, even if parents are are not trying to talk to their kids about it. And many parents really are trying. Um, they're hearing about it at school or they're catching something on the news. And, and so we really wanted to equip them with something special that's age appropriate that would just help kids start to have a comfortable conversation. Um, but Equitable Dinners, the full program, we do a lot of times for high schools and colleges, less often for that the full program for kids who are younger than 
on that. And one of the things that we love to do is to train groups of high school and college facilitators so that when they are having conversations, they can have them among their peer groups and not have any, you know, of us older fuddy duddies at the table and really speak honestly from their own generation. But I think it, back to your, the other part of your question in terms of why this is happening, I think that one of the causes of it is that our world is just so segregated. And I think it, it's segregated on purpose. I mean, it certainly originally, you know, segregation was done on purpose. And we think of like, oh, but we we've gone through desegregation. We don't live in a segregated country anymore. But if you look around, we really do. And so for most people, they don't have a lot of opportunities to have meaningful conversations about race and racism with people who look and live differently from them because the people they live near, the people they go to school with, the people who they work with, the people who they run into at the grocery store, a lot of them look and live similarly to them. And so that's part, we feel like these conversations are so important because the more people who just, who have a positive and meaningful interaction with a stranger around these issues, the more people will care, you know, and, and they would, they would already care more except that they are being kept apart. And so they just don't know. True. And I think true. that's the most, most true for white people, that, that white people can go their whole lives and never be um, the only person of their race in a room and may, maybe even never be in the minority of a race in a room. Uh, yes. And so we, we just don't, you know, a lot of us just don't know. True. Um, looking at this work that you're doing, did you ever face any kind of threats from uh, people who are against what you are doing? Ah, no, I, I have to say, I am, it is such an honor and a privilege for me to get to, in some small way, continue the work of the great civil rights leaders. And I, I live in um, the Sweet Auburn Historic District, just a couple of blocks from Martin Luther King's home, um, birth home and his church. And I think often about how easy it is for me as a middle-aged white lady, you know, to do this work that I am under no threat at all. And that it, that is very different than the experience of people of color trying to do this work. So I, um, I try to do what I can with my voice. I think more often than that, uh, the thing that I have been challenged on, it doesn't really happen anymore, but it used to happen that people would say like, what are you doing white lady? Like, yes. that you're, you know, why are you engaged in this work? Um, but I think it's incredibly important uh, for white people to be engaged in, in civil rights and um, in anti-racism. I think that, you know, white people, we have so much of the money and so much of the power. If we're not part of the solution, then it's quite likely that we are going to prevent there from ever being a solution. Yeah. <laughs> well, I say it. <laughs> very, very well uh, described, articulated. You uh, are a significant uh, person, you know, making that significant uh, difference to society and the way people think very important that uh, you are doing that. Uh, who are your collaborators? Do you have people who support you in terms of funding, in terms of, you know, volunteering? Do you require people who come and help you out? Oh, well, I, for, before anyone else, I need to mention my most important collaborator, my business partner, Adria Kitchens. There, I could not uh, even 
begin to attempt to do any of this without her. So Adria is the real genius behind Equitable Dinners. Um, when I first met her, so she is a DEI professional and facilitator and coach um, by, by training and by experience. And when I first met her, she was working for a nonprofit that was holding similar conversations, but without the theater piece, without the art. And so at first we worked together and I brought the art and she brought the conversation guide and the facilitators. Um, and then the nonprofit that she was working for folded during the shutdown. And I thought, oh my gosh, well, I can't do this without her. So a, a miracle happened and we were able to bring her on. And now she is my full-time partner at Out of Hand. But there's no way that I could do any of this work without her. Um, in addition, yes, it's... Um, uh, yeah, we have a wonderful staff. Our design team is instrumental. We have a, a huge group of volunteers. Our facilitators have sometimes worked for free. Um, now we're able to pay them at least small amounts, but the hundreds of facilitators and artists who we've worked with, we certainly couldn't do this work without them either. And then all of our partner organizations. So, you know, we're, we're a nonprofit with a budget of a little under a million dollars. We don't have the manpower to just do the grassroots roots work alone to get 5,000 people to participate in equitable dinners last year. Last year, our goal was 5,000 people. We actually got 6,000. Um, so we were pretty excited, but we rely heavily on our partner organizations. So the National Center for Civil and Human Rights, the King Center, Partnership for Southern Equity, Atlanta Public Schools, the Mayor's Office, and then a dozen other small nonprofits are all helping us plan these events uh, implement them, and then um, also very importantly, promote them, spread the word. Wow, that is amazing. And I'm sure you have found a lot of talent as well through your uh, programs, and they have moved on to something bigger. Yes, actually. Um, so when the shutdown came in March 2020, we were preparing to do our big citywide in-person equitable dinners event for Atlanta. And of course, we thought that was going to happen in 2020, and of course it didn't. It didn't happen until 2022 um, because, because of the pandemic. But we pivoted very quickly and went online and started doing a monthly online series addressing a different topic related to racial equity every single month. And our very first one, it was April 2022, like a few weeks after the shutdown, Dr. Kamara Jones, the renowned uh really world expert on the effects of racism on health, was our guest speaker online. Uh, and then our very first actress uh, in the online series was Danielle Deadweiler, the star of the movie Till, about Emmett Till that just came out, the one who everyone is saying was robbed of the Oscar. Um, so we've had the opportunity to work with some really amazing artists awesome. and speakers. Yeah, that is great. That is great. And I'm sure because it is theater, because it is a production, there must be conversations that are very uh, engaging. There must be conversations which, uh, you know, follow through even after the event, even after that dinner. I'm sure people connect over uh, that dinner as well. It's a beautiful uh, thought and beautiful uh, program that you are having. Thank you so much. And yeah, one of my favorite things is to run into somebody 
sometimes people text or email me, but sometimes I just run into someone on the street and they say, hi, you were the my dinner, my table facilitator, or you were the lead facilitator at an event that I went to. I just wanted to tell you, my group at my table, we just got together for dinner again at somebody else's house. Oh, nice. And people share the foods from their culture and invite their, but some of these groups have gone on for years. That is amazing. See, that's a wonderful way of uh, socializing as well, right? You are learning something new. You're getting to meet new people. What better way to do that than, you know, rather than just go to a movie theater and watch a movie and come back? I'm not an, against movie theaters, but, uh, you know, <laughs> just saying. Uh, wonderful, yeah. Uh, for the audience, Equitable Dinners is a free series geared towards community learning, inspiring anti-racism action and meaningful connections through art and courageous conversation. I would like to thank Ariel here. She is doing a fantastic job. I'm sure you're bringing together people, communities, and making a difference in the lives of people. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Lovely talking to you. <laughs>